1: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 chat.
0: 134 in Edmonton. Royal Pizza, pizza pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years for a menu. A list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, which dine in or an option for you you can go online at royalpizza.ca or download the royal pizza app from the app store the star for recommendation is the mediterranean chicken here's what i like about this show with the texters who are engaged in the show you can text us at any time on the ashley fine floors text line. kdk says oh before we go to kdk we'll go to rob he says bob somebody must be buying you booze to pump Bouchard's tires the oil are fine with these current d pairings kdk uh completely counters that perspective. Bob, you say you're not comfortable with the left side defense, um, but you prefer to add a 3C for uh, face-offs. After multiple attempts to fix 3C with limited success, uh, all success has been sort of achieved internally. Why would the Oilers not address the D at the trade deadline or sooner? The defense is the same problem that's limited the Oilers' success for a decade. I wasn't comfortable with what we saw on... Um, saturday night and i think we've seen with a couple teams uh that have been more aggressive on the forecheck they do it differently calgary pounds you physically toronto gets there with speed we've seen some of the challenges that edmonton's had uh, we will get some thoughts on that and others with our, our inside the game analyst on the orders radio network longtime nhl player rob brown hello rob how you doing doing good bob how are you doing good uh would you like to see bouchard play more
1: Um, well, from a selfish standpoint, yes, simply because I just want to see what the kid's got. I mean, his ceiling is huge. He's got an incredible amount of talent. Uh, He plays with an amazing patience. I compared it to a guy named Doug Crossman that I used to play with uh, and played, he played a long time in the National Hockey League. It doesn't seem like he has a heartbeat. Just just goes about his business and nice and calm, nothing seems to rattle him. So in a selfish point, yes, but I... I understand not playing him right now is guys ahead of him playing better. There's no use having him in the lineup if he's only going to play eight to 10 minutes. And that's what Dave Tippett does with him in the game that he's played. He's playing eight to 10 minutes. Uh, so if you don't have the trust of the coach in games, you're probably not going to get into the lineup. So I think on the depth chart right now, he's in Dave Tippett's eyes. He's probably number eight and number eight only gets in if there's injuries. Yeah, uh, part
0: of this is a lefty-righty thing, uh, and just the I, I sense that the coaches Rob aren't comfortable playing him over in the left side, and Barry has come as advertised, maybe even better than advertised. So I'll get your thoughts on that. Uh, Larson has provided a heavy uh, presence, and Ethan Bear uh, certainly opened up some eyes. Just on Doug Crossman, so the fans realize this in a. Uh, uh three-year window he went plus 75 with Chicago Philadelphia and Philadelphia ended up representing Canada uh after a strong 86-87 season which he had 18 points in 26 playoff games for the Flyers of course they lost the orders in seven uh represented Canada in the Canada Cup like this guy was a pretty good player played over 900 games in the NHL good player good uh good comparable I I think frankly he's more like Larry Murphy <laughs> oh, nice. yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely
1: yeah I agree with that too I played a little bit with Larry Murphy in Pittsburgh same style it just it's one of those guys that is very heady. There's players that are like when when Barry is on the ice, he's always in motion. He's, yeah. he's going 100 miles a minute. His hands are moving. His yeah. body's moving. But when Bouchard's out there, it's much more controlled. Right. And and it just it looks as though he's got. I play with a guy named Yannick Perot, We used to call him Never Panic Yannick. And that's what it looks like with Bouchard. It just doesn't seem like his heartbreak gets up. And I know that at some point at people were. I don't know if it was skeletons, but people are questioning, okay, is his foot speed quick enough for the National Hockey League? Does he have that extra boost when he has to get back and get the puck? I just think it's the way he approaches the game. I, I think that he's smart enough to know when he has to go fast, when he can go slow, when he can take his time. Uh, he's going to be a very, very good pro. I just think right now in a, a shortened season where you're only playing against teams that you're battling for playoff spots with, that Dave Tippett doesn't have quite enough trust in him yet and he's got as you said righty lefty so he's got three righties ahead of him two are no-brainers Barry and Larson so it's between him and Bear and Bear has a leg up because Dave Tippett knows him and I've played long enough to know when a coach has trust in one guy it's really hard to unseat that guy there's got to be a lot that goes wrong before he decides to pull someone that he trusts out of the lineup so Bouchard will get a chance and the thing we've seen with Bouchard when he goes in he doesn't seem to miss a beat.
0: uh Has Barry been better than you thought he'd be? He's second in the league in scoring for defense. Uh,
1: offensively, I think he came as expected. I, I mean, I've, I've watched him when he was in Colorado. I mean, the Toronto thing was a blip because he had a coach didn't like him, and that makes a difference. I remember when he's in Colorado. At the end of the night, I'm like, he's a guy you remembered. So offensively, I think he's done everything that I had thought he would. I think he's better defensively. Um, I know that when I remember watching him in Colorado, there would be nights where he'd make four great plays and two plays defensively. That You're like, oh, okay, I see what's holding him back. But I honestly, this year, I mean, like any defenseman, there's been a mistake here or there, but not the the big five-star ones. I think he's been much better defensively than I ever could have imagined. And I give credit to the kid. I mean, he he bet on himself. He took a one-year deal, bet on himself, after coming off a subpar year in Toronto. And look what he's done. I mean, I I wish this wasn't a pandemic year of hockey and the salary cap was where it should be because this would be a humongous windfall for him come summertime because of the season he's having. But yes, he has been better than I thought he could be.
0: Uh, Darnell Nurse. It's funny. we got a former forward on him. We're talking about the D, but Darnell yeah. Nurse. Uh, Rob, you know how hard he – and, look, you, you're still coaching kids. The kids that uh, – I'm going to get you to comment on Gunther a little bit later on. But the kids that work their tails off, those are the ones that keep getting better. You know how hard Connor and Leon and Darnell work. And, and right now, those guys are amongst the best players in the world in their position. I, I mean, Darnell said today he knew he had to take on more responsibility with Clefbaum, not an option this season. Man, he's delivered, hasn't he?
1: He has, and I give credit to him, too. Uh, when he came in, he was an incredibly talented player that I don't think thought the game as well as his talent was. Uh, he was a guy that could transport the puck, but wasn't a guy that made plays. He was fast. He would get the puck, he'd go end-to-end, end, but he'd get into the the opposition end, and the play would die in the corner. Or he'd throw the puck on net. Now he makes plays. He's matured, he's smarter, he understands the game better. And I think playing more, he's learned to play smarter. When you The way he played, he was 1,000 miles a minute. He'd go for the big hits, he was physical, jumped up every chance he could, sometimes ill-advised times. But he was playing... 18 19 20 minutes and he still had the energy to do that but now when he's playing 25 26 27 minutes he has to play smarter he can't he can't jump up every time he can't go running out of position for a big play he's now or for a big hit and now he's playing against the other team's best players he can't get caught out of position because they'll make him pay so he's, he's simplified his game to a point and he's just playing smarter and again i don't know if i i saw the offensive upside that he's brought In his game, I I thought he'd always be a a really good second pairing defenseman, and I'm glad I was wrong because he's, he's turned out to be a good first pairing defenseman who is bringing an offensive element. When you're playing with Connor and Leon, you must be able to read the plays if you're a defenseman, and Darnell's done that, and because of that, he's having a fantastic hockey season.
0: We're joined by Rob Brown, who had a 49-goal, 115-point season. May I add, with 118 penalty minutes. uh, You were a a fantasy god before guys were in fantasy pool, except I actually was in a pool that year, uh, including with a guy who had a kid that ended up playing in the NHL. But uh, that was a big year of Pittsburgh back in 88, 89. Uh, Look, we've both done events with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, He does the Cystic Fibrosis Dinner every year. He's a great guy. He's very sharing and giving of his time. Uh, you talked a bit about the fact that we were in a flat cap world and guys aren't going to maybe make what some of their predecessors made over the previous couple of years. He's struggled a bit at even strength this season. Even when he's played with McDavid, he hasn't exactly scorched at points per 60 at even strength-wise. Still pretty good on special teams. Give me an overall assessment on Ryan Nugent Hopkins right
1: now. Uh, I, I think he's become a very good complementary player. I, I, I don't think he's a guy that... Uh, drives the line uh that i think many had hoped that he would i think where, where if you put him with connor if you put him with leon he makes them better hockey players he's a he's a good penalty killer he's a very good on their power play he's a big part of that power play i know it's leon and connor's show but Rnh, there's a big difference you take him off it, that power play is not as good uh but uh, yeah I, i'm actually surprised five on five uh that he hasn't had the success playing with connor that Uh, you would have expected. I don't know if he would fit better playing with Leon. I'm not sure. But I think his year has been uh, good. I don't know if it's been great. Uh, And it's an an odd year for him being a contract year. Again, the the money's not there that was supposed to be there with the flat cap. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit for the Oilers. But obviously, the fit has to be for both both sides money-wise I I think that the Oilers right now have I think Pugliarvi has turned out to be a nice addition Yamamoto's had a a bit of a a slowdown to his ascent and which is normal in in your second year in the National Hockey League if they were to lose Nugent Hopkins that's a big hole and we're seeing that right now with whoever does If when Leon and Connor are split up whichever player has R&H on their line that's your first line and whichever one doesn't, it's a big drop off between R N H and Cahoon or Ennis or whoever they put on the left side. So, I I I'd like to see a little more five on five from R N H down the stretch. And frankly, if the Oilers are going to do anything in the playoffs, five on five R N H has to be a factor. Whether he's centering his own line or if he's playing with Connor and Leon, because they. Don't have anything on the left side depth-wise, so a lot of pressures are on R&H. But I think it's been a good year. I don't think it's been a fantastic year.
0: Uh, how crazy is this, Rob? If I told you at the start of the season, 35 games in a year, that uh, two players would have 11 goals, 15 assists, and 26 points, and one guy was going to be a defense skipman at a plus-22, and another guy a forward playing most of those games with Connor McDavid... Uh, you know he'd be stunned that it'd be darnell nurse sitting there with i mean darnell's leading the nhl in even strength goals and even strength uh, points by defenseman. but it just reinforces like you know, how much time ryan has spent with connor five on five and again the power play numbers are there they still got a top five power play in the league handicap the the canadian division for me how do you how do you see uh maybe the top five teams
1: well, to me, it's there's three elite teams, and that's Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton. And I think on any given night, uh, any they, you could rank them one to three, uh, and flip flop them on any given night. I think they're all very, very close. I think Toronto is great up front. I think they've got three, if not four, quality. Guys. I mean, they, when you can put a Spets and a Thornton and put that 2,200 NHL games. And you can put them on your third or fourth line. That's pretty good having that experience out there. Both guys can win face-off. I think on the back end, uh, they're good. And in net is their question mark. Uh, Anderson hasn't had a good year. And Campbell, as you see, I mean, they're not sure about him injury-wise and if he can play back-to-back. But they're a good team. I think Winnipeg is one top-four defenseman away from being a team that could actually be the team to beat. I think up front, they're fantastic. they got a Vezina Trophy goalie in net. Their backup goalie, Brassois, is pretty good as well. Uh, But I I think that on the back end, uh, they're a little thin when you get the three to uh, four, five, and six of their defense. And that's their Achilles heel. And the Oilers, again, the Oilers, when they put their two best players together, they've got the best line in hockey, but then it's a big drop-off. Defensively, better than expected, and goaltending, Shockingly better than expected. After that, I think Montreal is a solid fourth best team. I don't. I think they're they're head and shoulders above Calgary and Vancouver and Ottawa. I think those teams are also rans right now. Uh, Calgary can't score. Their top players aren't playing anywhere near what I thought they could. Vancouver, they're starting to realize how good Markstrom was. They really cover up a lot of mistakes. And the Ottawa Senators, simply a, a team of the future. Good team of the future. They're gonna be fun to watch in a couple of years. But I think it's a three-team race, and that's why, to me, the importance of coming in first means you don't have to go through both Toronto and Winnipeg. If you come in second or third in this division, you're going to have two incredibly tough series to get out of this division.
0: All right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It should be a, a, a kicker. There's there's no question about that. quite the battle uh, the rest of the way. We're joined by Rob. Now, Rob, one of the Rob Browns joining us, one of the things we like to do with you is uh, do a little bit of story time. And I, I you're an honest guy. Um, the other night, you mentioned Laurent Bressois. The two goals he gave against the, the Flames the other night were about as bad as you'll see. Uh, Maggio scored from just inside the blue line off a deflection that deflected 55 feet out, and Brassois couldn't pick the puck up. And then on, uh, then Bennett fired one that was going wide of the net. He stuck his stick out and deflected it into his own goal. Um, were there ever moments, again, you played with, Mario, uh, were there ever moments along the way where you guys maybe had a chuckle or two at a bad goal against you? You're like, what the blank was that uh, that you just saw? Or, or did you try to keep yourself? <laughs> You're looking at your teammates on the bench, rolling your eyes, here we go again. Not that we're going to get you to call out any of your former goaltending teammates, but did that, that sort of thing maybe happen back in the late 1980s, early 90s?
1: Well, it did. Um, Usually you look down at your skates and giggle with the other guy looking down at his skates. To me, when it comes to goalie, whenever you ask about anything to do odd with goalie, it wasn't so much a goal that led in. I played with a guy named Ray LeBlanc, who was an American goaltender, played with him for the Chicago Wolves and with the Chicago Blackhawks. He was a guy that played, I think it was the World Championships. I don't think it was the Olympics. It was the World Championships where he stood on his head for the American team and was going... He was, so, was so good that he was going to get a his picture on a Wheaties box. That's back then all the athletes that were great, especially in the States, they got on the Wheaties box. And then they met Ray. And then they decided to take that offer back because Ray was an odd guy. And I remember playing in, in games in Chicago where you'd be looking down to the right end, which the other, that was the other team's goalie, you're watching the play down there, and you would hear howling. And Ray LeBlanc would skate out, usually to about the top of the circle, and he would just start howling in that, like a wolf, because we were the Chicago Wolves. And it was so loud, like, people players on the ice would actually stop and kind of glance back, like, what is going on? Ray LeBlanc, in the middle of hockey games, would just start howling. He would look up into the sky and howl as though he was a wolf. And, uh, that again, that one we didn't look down at our skates and laugh. We just looked at him, looked at ourselves, shook our head, and, and like, are you kidding me? I'm a professional hockey player. And my goaltender is howling. I have, I have kids that I teach that are five and six years old that know you're not supposed to howl during a hockey game. Ray Block never learned that.
0: Uh, he did get one NHL start, and he got the win, and he has a 9.55 save percentage. He stopped 20 of 21 <laughs> in the victory. It's pretty good. All right. Uh, you're the highest-scoring player in WHL history. Uh, you've worked with Dylan Gunther. I've seen yeah. him play all six home games this year. Bob McKenzie had him ranked third uh, for the upcoming NHL entry draft. Uh, Sam Constantino from Sportsnet had him fourth. Uh, in both cases, the highest-ranked uh, junior forward, uh, currently in major junior hockey. This guy, I mean, when's the last time you saw a kid at that age that can shoot the puck like that?
1: I never had. I, I, I went out. We used to do skill stuff with, well, I still do with NAX. And he was there when I was there. And I remember going out with his group when he was in Bantam. And I'd never seen a kid shoot a puck like that. I There's pros that can't shoot as well as him. That was back when he was in Bantam. It was just on his office stick. It was just effortless. And he put the puck wherever he wanted at any time. He could change the angle. He could, uh, the one thing when you, whenever a kid's, Shoot the puck. They should always try to shoot from different angles of their body because you're never, you're not always going to get perfect passes. So you got to be able to maneuver your stick, maneuver your hands, close to your body, far away from your body, changes the angle for the goaltender, and he could do all those things. And it, at the end of practice, we used to have um, competitions, and I remember one time we had a competition where we had I put five pucks out, and they had uh, a bit of a competition. See how many little breakaways from the hash marks and they could score. And once we got to the the winner would play against me in the final. So Dylan won. And I was back. We had uh, Maddie Savoy, who's uh, another superstar in the making, yes. too. Yes. And so we had uh, Dylan goes. I said, okay, you go first. And he had five pucks. And he scored. He went five for five. And I'm like, okay, this is embarrassing. I'm I'm the guy that's the the skill instructor. And the guy that just went before me went five for five. I mean, I'm not going to go five for five. And I didn't. And I had to shake his hand and congratulate him when the little Bantam boy beat me. He's good. He is so good. And what I love about him as a player and as a person, he was humble. He was uh the front where he would look if you said something to him or told him something, he would look at you and, and be taking it in. His work ethic was wonderful. Uh he, he's just a good kid and a better player. It's it's gonna be a lot of fun watching uh, his rise. He's gonna be a star in the National Hockey League. Someone's gonna get, I remember when I think it was Randy Hanch was the GM with the Oil Kings. Dylan's year. And I remember him calling me, how good is he? And I said, this kid is real. Like, this kid is real. And it's you're seeing that right now, and it's unfortunate the, the WHL didn't have a whole season, because it would have been a lot of fun to watch the kind of numbers that he could have put up over the course of the season. But having said that, we're going to get to see him put up big numbers when he gets to the National Hockey League. Dylan Gunther's a real thing.
0: Great stuff. Uh, appreciate you having on Rob. We'll talk here in about a, a couple hours. Get ready for the Oilers and the Leafs. Sounds good? going to be another fun one. It should be. Love it. That is Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst, the highest-scoring player in WHL history. Got their special. Did somebody just suggested to me Corey Prodman had him ranked number one for the draft. I, I've not seen that, but he's had a great year. Nine goals, 18 points. Nine goals, nine assists in nine games, and he's like plus 12 on the season. And I don't even think the Oil Kings are going yet, but here's the catch. He's only going to play three more games for Edmonton this year. Because then he's going to go off to the U18 championships, um, of which will, I believe, only be WHL players. Um, which means he's going to be a big driver on that team. Here we go. We're in a list day in Oilers history. It's brought to you each day by Dennis and Jason Lallaberti and the team at New West Travel. Here's Brendan Escott. Back in 1983, Yari Curry becomes the fourth Oiler ever to eclipse 100 points in a season. Picked up an assist in a 7-4 win at Vancouver. Curry finished the game with two goals and two helpers. All right, uh we will so we got the game tonight. Uh the face off show three thirty, puck drop at five PM. Tomorrow Mark Spector for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Reminder our province's horse racing and breeding industry has introduced new safety protocols with thorough vet checks, stricter rules, tougher penalties, employing Albertans caring for our horses, horse racing Alberta. Also an update from the American Hockey League, former uh uh, Columbus General Manager, Oilers Assistant GM Scott Housen, the President and CEO of the AHL, will join us on tomorrow's show. Now, in between now and the face-off show, 6.30 afternoons, Royal Canadian Air Force has released its final report into last May's fatal snowbirds crash in B.C. Noting the cause of the crash appears to have been an engine stall following a bird strike, former Commander of the Royal Canadian Air Force Retired Lieutenant General Michael Hood will join Jalen and I to discuss how this could have happened and the follow-up from the incident almost a year later they'll also uh i believe have some of dr dina Hinshaw's presser which is being moved early today in around 215 220 up next a global news weather traffic update with eileen bell again followed by a six thirty 30 chid afternoons of Jay and i i will rejoin you at three thirty five with reed wilkins on the face-off show
1: oilers now with bob stoffer weekdays at noon